Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Anyway, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Last week I told you about my wife's mare that she called me one day... I don't know if she called me or I called her. I don't really remember now. Um, I've slept since last week. But anyway, she went and got a rescue mare, okay? And uh, this horse was malnourished, abused. It looked like a a living Ace Reed cartoon. Uh, And we took her in. There was nothing that she deserved to garner that. We did not choose her based upon her confirmation, I didn't choose her based on anything except my wife, I guess. But she didn't choose her based upon her confirmation, uh, how well she did, her papers, uh, her sliding stop, or her awesome, you know, rollbacks, or the way she ate a cow alive. Nothing. This mare was nothing but broken. And my wife took her in. We fed her for a solid year. After that solid year, she was... She's kind of a little sweetheart, not a mean bone in her body. I put the first ride on her with the help of Ty and Sean, and then a couple of months after that, I I had a lot of Kevin Weatherby horses. I wanted a Ty Weber horse, so I gave her to Ty, and uh, Ty started her for me and did a fantastic job, and now I'm riding her again, and uh, you know, e- even though she's had quite a few rides on her, she is what most people would probably call green broke, okay? You know, a horse is a horse, okay? Most people would call her green broke. I have come to think of that term differently now. I don't think she's broke at all. I think she's unbroken. She is a Kianos Ketesis. I left you with that last week of a Greek two words called Kianos Ketesis. It probably isn't even, you don't even say it like that. That's how Texan would speak Greek. I don't know. So if you're a Greek speaker, forgive me. But it's K-I-A-N-O-S, Kianos Ketesis. What is it? It's you. You are Kianos Ketesis. It is what we are when we give our lives to Christ. It is who we are that opens us up to brand new experiences. It changes who we are, what we do, and how we process the world around us. Paul tells us what Kianos Ketesis is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. Did you pick it up, what Kianos Ketesis means? Kianos Ketesis means something brand new. Now, if you've been going here a lot, you're going to be like, Kevin, that's not like you going into the Greek and everything, but, but I think it's that important right now. You know, most of the time when we think of brand new, a couple of weeks ago I was driving the Durango, and the Durango uh, went to heaven right over here in the fairgrounds. And so for the first time in 14 years, my wife has a new vehicle. <laughs> most of the time when we think of brand new, we think of a brand new vehicle. 
Okay, a brand new vehicle, another form of something that's already there that's brand new. That is not what Keanu's Ketesis means. It means something that has never been seen in the history of the world. Think of maybe like the first airplane was amazing. When you are a new creation, you are not a newer, better version of an airplane. You are something that has never been seen before in the history of the world. You are brand new. It's not that you were broken and now you are fixed like you are brand new. You are a different creation. You are no longer what you were before. When we give our lives to Christ, we do not become fixed. Jesus does not say, well, you're broken now, and so I'm going to duct tape you up and, and, and super glue some parts together, and now you're going to be fixed. No, he says that you are a new creation. You are something that the world has never seen before, ever. You are not like me, and I am not like you. I am a brand new creation. You are a brand new creation created in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not come to fix the broken. He did not come to fix you being broken. He came to make us unbroken. Because if you break something, you know, I, I've got this deal that whenever we went to, uh, when Ty and I went to Israel and, and Gary and Sherry and Sandy and Rick and uh, who else was it? Ladies. Yeah, the ladies from Jamaica. Yeah, they were cool. If you ever go to Israel, go with a, with a church from Jamaica. It's great. Um, anyway, uh, I bought myself one thing. One thing. They take you to all these curio shops where they, you know, you're expected. You know, they take you in there and, and they show you olive wood from Jerusalem that's been like carved into like the, the Jesus baby scene and stuff like that. And those things are only like, well, $40,000, something like that. So, you know, they want you to buy that. Well, guess what I found? I found a little ceramic plate that looked like that old blue and white antique stuff that said, Shalom, y'all. <laughs> That's what I bought. I was like, there it is. <laughs> bought my wife a real olive oil and bought her a you know, cup from, you know, made out of olive wood and all this stuff. And I got the shalom, y'all. I got it home and within two days, my wife broke it. And she was devastated. And I was like, it's, it's okay. I mean, it literally cost like, you know, $2.50. And you should have seen the looks that they gave me when that's all I bought. So, but, but she super glued it back together. And she did a great job, but you know what you could still see? You could still see the little crack. Even though you could pick it up and it stayed together, you could still see where it was broken. You know what else happened? The other day, I took it down and set it somewhere else and then knocked it off the table and broke it again. So you know what I did? I threw it away because it's broken, okay? Even though it might have meant a lot of stuff, it was broken, I think I got more of a story out of it being broken than if I would have still kept it. I wouldn't have ever told y'all that. But Jesus did not come to super glue you back together and put you back on the shelf where your scars are still visible. He came to make us brand new. Jesus did not come, and you've heard me say this before, Jesus did not come to live a perfect life to go to the cross willingly, they did not have to, he did not struggle when they put his hand on the cross. He wasn't trying to jerk it away from them. He laid his hand down as they nailed him to that cross. He did not come to this earth to make bad men good. He did not come to fix bad men and make them good men. He came for something much more. He came 
to make dead men alive. He came to make dead men alive. And, and, and you know what? I, I think that there's this misconception in Christianity that they, people have this, and I'm not going to say it's a conscious view, but we have this kind of view that Jesus is more of a mortician. Right? We know that the Bible says that we are dead in sin, and we kind of think that Jesus comes in and kind of saves us and does like a mortician does and makes us a little more presentable where we don't stink. Right? But that Jesus is not a mortician. He did not come to make dead men look a little better. He came to give new life, not just in eternity, but right now. But unfortunately, most of us are a slave to sin. We have believed the devil's lies, and we continue to walk around as if we are the old me instead of understanding that it, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation. No more are you supposed to look at the world through worldly eyes, but through kingdom eyes to know that despite the wind and the waves, when we cry out to Jesus and we say, help us from the wind and the waves, he gets up and he goes, what are you scared of? And we say, the wind and the waves. And he goes, why? They have no power over you. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. Jesus is God's son. And we are heirs with him. We become brothers of him. We are not him, but we have the same benefits of being God's son through what he did. And he did not come to make bad men good. He came to make dead men alive. And I keep saying men, and I'm not leaving you women out. And let me tell you something. If that offends you, I am part of the bride of Christ. And if I can be happy about being a bride, you can be happy about being part of, the, of mankind. Okay? Enough. I get sick of that. Every time I say cowboys, I'm not leaving cowgirls out, okay? <laughs> so what are the benefits of Keanu's catesis? What do we do? What are the benefits of it? You know what? If you're a new creation, no longer do you have to feel bad about yourself or compare yourself to anyone else anymore. We talked about that last week, that in the Garden of Eden, that when they ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, that their eyes were open to sin. And the first thing they did is they felt shame because they knew that they were naked and they hid. And don't we do that also? We're scared somebody's going to see the real us. And so we, we cover ourselves and we hide behind our money. We hide behind our clothes. We hide behind our, our status or our personality or our humor or our hats or our trailers or our horses or our jobs. And we're constantly hiding because somebody might see the real us. But God walks in and says, where are you? And we say... We hid because we were naked and we were afraid. We were ashamed. And he said, who said you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat? We feel shame, but when we're a new creation, we don't have to feel ashamed anymore. And then the next thing that happened is Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent. And we've been doing that ever since. Shame and blame. We're ashamed of who we are and we try to blame everybody else for it. But when you're a new creation, that thing right there is called condemnation. And if there is a single thing in the New Testament that is reiterated over and over and over and over is Romans 8.1. Therefore now, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
No more do you have to be ashamed of who you are. No more do you have to cower and hide the real you because you are a new creation created in Christ Jesus and you are the most amazing thing in the world. You are amazing enough that God went to the, sent his only beloved son to a cross to die so that you could be revealed. And yet we are ashamed. And, and, and then when we feel bad about ourselves, so we start taking it out on everybody else. And we start blaming other people for the things that we do, for the things that we feel, for the things that we say, for how we act. It's somebody else's fault. We don't have to do any of that because all of that is rooted in fear. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, nearly every single one of us, if you've been in church very long, you've heard John 3.16. For the God, so, and it's Jesus talking about himself in the third person, which me and Ty are very fond of doing. Well, why don't Kevin just ride up here and put a head loop on that critter right there? Well, why won't Ty just throw a backhand turnover and catch it on the first try? We're weird. Come hang out. If you're not weird, you won't like us. Go somewhere else. Jesus is talking about himself in third person, and he says, for God so loved everyone in the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the saddest thing in the world is that people stop right there. But Jesus continues, and he says, for, the son of, for God did not send the Son of Man into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. There is no condemnation. No more do you have to be ashamed of who you really are. You do not have to blame anybody else. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. You are so unique. You, it's incomparable to anybody else. God made you. God loves you. And God wants what's best for you. But yet you keep turning away from him and looking to the world to satisfy you and to fulfill you. And it's not going to happen because you were made for something more. You don't have to feel bad about yourself. You don't have to be ashamed and you don't have to blame. Nobody else is in control of you. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. We have been adopted into his kingdom. What are the benefits of being in Christ, a new creation? Keanu's catesis. You don't have to be ashamed or blame. No shame, no blame. You have been adopted by God, never to be turned away. There's two young boys sitting up here on the left in the front row that a year ago May we adopted from China. They did not do anything to deserve that. My wife got online and saw a video of those two boys. And the minute she saw them, the Holy Spirit spoke in her heart, and, she, and the Holy Spirit said, that's your son. That's your son. They did nothing to deserve what we have given them. We don't give them what we give them based upon who they are or what they do. We do what we do based upon God's love for us and sharing that love with them. In the biblical times, when you, you could give up your own kids. You didn't want your kids anymore, you could, you could kick them out. But if you adopted, they were yours for life no matter what. Punishable by death if you tried to give up an adopted kid. It was forever. The natural born might not be. But if you said, I will adopt you, you were part of that family for life. God has done so with you. You did not do anything to deserve it. It's not based upon how good you are, how, how good you do this, how good you do that, uh, what you look like, what job you have, 
nothing. He said, I don't care about anything except who you really are, and I want you to be one of my kids. So through my son, I am going to adopt you, and now you have all of the same benefits as my son did. You can come boldly to my throne, God tells you. You can come boldly to the throne of God and petition him in prayer and ask. And Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name, it will be given. All you have to have is the faith of a mustard seed. Now, we talked about that not long ago. He may say no, because sometimes we don't know what we need. But that does not change that God always provides what we need. You don't have no shame, no blame. We have been adopted. And the third benefit of Keanu's catesis of being that new creation in Christ Jesus, you have eternal life. You have eternal life. I read something this week in one of the devotions that I read. And as hard as this is to, to understand that eternity is not the elongation of time. It is the removal of it. Eternity is not the elongation of time. It is the removal of it. In eternity, there is no tomorrow. There was no yesterday. There is only the now, and it'll be free of pain and suffering and sorrow, where everybody will be made complete in Christ Jesus. You have eternal life. In Romans 6.23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does it mean to be in Christ? What does it mean to be in Christ? You read your Bibles. I encourage you, go home, read your Bibles. If you're expecting me to feed you, imagine how long it would be if I fed you one spoonful every Sunday morning. How long do you think you could live? My job is not to feed you. That's one of my pet peeves about church people is they say, well, I just wasn't getting fed there. My job is not to feed you. It's to show you where the food is. Okay? Thank you, Jasmine. like that. So what does it mean to be in Christ? It's like being a part of the Long Ranch Remuda. You know, whenever I look out there at those four horses, let me tell you what I see. They ain't worried about nothing. Well, Fiona gets a little worried if, somebody, if anybody else is eating hay. Okay, she expends more energy chasing the other horses off from hay than she ever intakes. That's why she's so small. But for the most part, when you look out into the pasture, those Long X Ranch, that Long X Ranch Remuda, they're relaxed. They ain't worried about tomorrow. They're not worried about yesterday, about what they did. Like, oh my gosh, you know, I came in and, you know, I didn't do that right. And Kevin was riding me and, you know, we were chasing after this yearling and I kind of went left and he wanted me to go right now. I'm just all kinds of being out of shape about it. They don't care. Relax. When you are in Christ, you can relax. Those horses are fed. Whether they do it right or whether they do it wrong, they are fed. They are watered. They are sheltered. They are protected. They are doctored. Every need those horses have will be met based upon who I am, not based upon what they do. When you are a new creation, when you are in Christ, if you are not relaxed, you have probably stepped outside of riding with Christ. You have rode off by yourself. I've always said that, that pain, and well, maybe not pain, but stress is the rumble strips on the road. When you start going along and you start hitting those rumble strips, that's God saying, hey man, you're starting to venture outside into my territory where I'm in control. You just worry about staying between the two white lines, which is in Christ, 
And don't get out there where you start depending upon yourself and your own works and, and, and trusting in money or jobs or economies or, or nations. Just relax. The second thing, be who you are. That is a lifelong process, but you can start it right now because you know you have been hiding who you are. Because you're afraid that if somebody knew who you actually were, that they would not like you. And who cares? Because the only person that God loves is you, who you really are. And when we hide that, we hide His light that shines through us. Be who you are. I have horses for gathering. I have horses for roping. I've got horses for branding. I've even got a horse for kids of any age. I've got horses for those that haven't ridden very much. They haven't been ridden very much. You don't have to be everything. You know who you have to be? You. And you are a brand new creation. The world has never seen what you are. And yet we try to cover that up. Strip off all of those things that hide who we really are. The third thing, what it means to be in Christ, is you need to grow. You need to yield. Whenever I ride these horses... They yield to pressure. And they, sometimes, especially Fiona, she'll get real bracy. And what do I mean by that? I'm trying to collect her up where we can become one. And she just pulls on the bit. And, I, and she just makes it hard on herself. I was riding her just the other day trying to ask her to collect up. She knows how to do it. Trying to collect her up. And, and, and she kind of just dipped her nose a little bit thinking that that's all that I was going to ask her to do. And then she just started bracing and getting mad when all I was asking her to do was to become one with me. And boy, don't we do that all the time with God. We just brace on Him all the time. I want to do it my way, not your way. You will be expected to grow. You can relax. You can be who you are. You will be expected to grow. We yield to the pressure and don't be bracy. I'm soft-handed and pretty patient, but I'm also unyielding. It will be as hard as they make it. And as soon as they get it right, we stop. What kind of pressure has God been putting on you? And you've just been bracing on it. You do not want to go that direction. You think you know better, but you don't. Relax. Be who you are. Grow. And the last thing, and I don't know that this is most important. It's just part of it. But it's an important part of it. Is this right here. I'm going to channel my inner Bill Belichick right now. What is it? Nobody? Do your job. Be ready to do your job. Be ready to do your job. You know what? The four horses that I have right now out there at any time with varying degrees of success maybe, but I can go out there and I can, cat, I can get any one of those horses, pull them in and go do a job. My horses don't have to know the way to where we're going. If we're going to go out to Ties or we're going to go help Jack or we're going to go help Robert, go help Doug. They don't have to know the way. They don't have to know why we're going that way. As a matter of fact, they probably wouldn't understand it if I told them. They don't have to worry about how long we're going to be there. They don't have to worry about what all the other horses are going to be doing while they're out doing this. Be ready to do your job. When the master calls, be ready. They did not prepare themselves. That's my job. When Ty and I take a horse to a branding, we don't ask a horse to drag a calf or to rope and pull something with a live calf on it the very first time. We have prepared that horse, so when that horse gets in there, it's not its first time. God is going to prepare you in the same way. That doesn't mean it'll be easy. That doesn't mean it won't be scary. That won't mean that there won't be a lot of stuff going, along, you know, going on, but you're still prepared. But they did not have to prepare themselves. God prepared them.
And the last thing that they do with doing their job, they just listen to me and do it. When I say go that way, they go that way. When I say go a little faster, they go a little faster. And when I sit down and ask them to stop, they stop. If I want them to go backwards, they go backwards. They don't go, well, wait a minute. We were going along so good. Now you want me to go backwards? They don't question it. They just do it. See, God wants you part of his kingdom. He wants you to be able to relax. He wants you to be who you are. He's going to use you differently than he uses me. He's going to use you different than Ty, and Ty's going to be different than my wife. Relax. Be who you are. Start growing. Start growing. Yield to pressure and quit bracing on what God is asking you to do. Be ready to do your job. You came here looking for answers today. You might not have known it. You might have just thought that you were going to church. You don't know why you're here. But you came here looking for answers. And whether you know it or not, God has given them to you. Aren't you ready to relax? Be who you really are with no shame, with no condemnation, and to become more through God and be ready for any task that He lays at your feet. This is what it means to be unbroken, not fixed, not a dead man cleaned up a little bit in a nice suit where you don't stink. He's made you a new creation to become who you were truly meant to be. Quit trying to patch the holes and quit trying to put duct tape over the sin of your life. Turn your life over to God right now. The Bible says, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is just like Peter, when you're sinking in your, in your sin and you're sinking in your stress and in your depression and in your addictions, whatever the case may be, maybe all of them, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you have made us whole. You didn't fix us. You unbroke us. You have created us for a life with you, not with this world. Let us see brand new through your eyes, doing your will and following your way. There's one right now that is becoming a new creation because you are calling them by name. You are saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me, for I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There is not anything that we do. It is all in your power, God, and it is all for your glory forever and ever. Amen.